While a Vietnam podcast is on break right now, I'll be sharing these episodes with you so that you can discover the real Vietnam. Whether you currently live here already, want to come visit, or see more of this amazing country. Welcome to the Vietnam is Awesome podcast. We'll help you discover the real Vietnam with awesome experiences. I'm Neil Mackay, your host, and I've lived in Vietnam since 2016. I'm the host of a Vietnam podcast, a comedian and brand ambassador for Vietnam is Awesome. I came to Vietnam for a two-week vacation in 2015 and was immediately taken back by the beauty, friendliness, energy, and even the quirks of Vietnam. I came back in 2016 with my wife for six weeks and more than six years later, we're still here. In this podcast, I'll be talking to people from all over Vietnam working in tourism, bars, resorts, hotels, nightlife and more to share with you experiences that prove Vietnam is awesome. In this episode, my guest has lived in Vietnam for 10 years now. He's worked at Pastor Street Brewing Company for eight and a half, most of those as the sales director spreading amazing craft beer across Vietnam. And he is also the co-host of the Beer Stories podcast, which is produced by myself and 7 Million Bikes podcast and shares stories of craft beer predominantly in Vietnam, but also around the world, highlighting the amazing beer that we have here in Vietnam. So thank you for joining me today. My guest is Misha Smith. That uh, that introduction sounded more impressive than, I, than I'm impressed with myself. So I, I appreciate that. What year did you first come to Vietnam? 2013, June. So it'll be 10 years in, in June of this year. So tell us a bit about how Vietnam, Saigon specifically, has changed in the last 10 years. I came here initially as, a, as an English teacher. That's what I was doing in South Korea before I got here. Uh, but like you said, I've been working at Pasteur Street for about eight and a half years. Working predominantly in F&B, that's obviously where I've noticed the most uh, change. Like when I first got here, there were uh, like a handful of Western style restaurants. Now there's amazing international restaurants from all over the world, um, like all different countries, all different kinds of cuisine, uh, winning international awards and like being mentioned as best of, uh, like you couldn't get, you couldn't have a, the only cocktail bar when I first got here, it was called the rum bar. It was the sidewalk outside some lady's apartment, an old lady who made like bathtub rum and served it in like repurposed old liquor bottles that were definitely not rum bottles. I mean, some of them might've been, but uh, like that was a cocktail bar 10 years ago in Saigon. Now you've got these amazing bespoke cocktail bars all over Saigon, all over Hanoi, uh, in Central as well. It's So that for me, that's the biggest change because, you know, I'm right up against it is the F&B uh, development here and just how amazing it is and compared to how bare bones it was back then. Obviously, there was amazing food in Saigon, Vietnamese food. But yeah, the the level of international quality restaurants that there are now, it's it's mind-blowing to think back to, like you said, just 10 short years ago, <laughs> what it was like then versus now. The food and beverage is just a great example of the development of Vietnam, and it's developed in so many ways. So this podcast, we we are want to encourage tourists to visit Vietnam. We're back open now. You're one of the people that I think are the most enthusiastic about Saigon. You you love it here. For you, uh, why do you love Saigon? I obviously I've been asked this question a lot because, like you said, my 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 enthusiasm and my love for Saigon is very apparent, and it's it's very outward. Um, it, it's just, and it's so hard to like pinpoint what it is. But when you 
when you've traveled a bit, you just, you get a certain feeling when you go to certain places. And the first time I came here on vacation, I just had this giddy enthusiasm, this giddy feeling that I just couldn't, like I had this goofy grin on my face the whole two weeks, I think it was. And you just couldn't knock it off my face. I was just like, this is me. This is me right here. I just loved it. And, you know, it's the energy of the city. It's the, I was coming from South Korea where not all the locals were super friendly to foreigners. Whereas here, you know, Saigon being a very tourist city, I got a genuine good feeling from Vietnamese people um, about us being here. And, and, you know, they're very welcoming and they're very helpful. And, and, you know, even back then, like the, the, the nightlife was, you know, it's not what it is now. There was, there was still like a manic energy to it. Like going down Boy Vien, Boy Vien was, was, a, was trash. Like it was, it was, a, it was a dirty, nasty neighborhood with, that's where all like the petty crime happens in Saigon. Um, but now it, it's super gentrified and it's, it's worse. Like it's nicer yeah, and it's yeah. worse. Yeah, true. So like, and I would hate to over romanticize Boy Vien. Yes. But I mean, honestly, back at, at that point, like at that time, that's where we spent most of our nights. You know, we started at one of the little plastic chairs, either rounds of beers or a bottle of Jameson's. Uh, I think we called it the grocery store. <laughs> like it was, I don't remember the exact address, but the, it was, uh, a mother and grandmother who ran it and they were friendly to us because we went there and spent a lot of money and we were polite. Um, and that's all it was up and down the street was those kind of places. Um, but we had our favorite. It's the energy that this city has and gives me that, that makes me love it so much. And also like to speak to the development, it's like the old Saigon and the new Saigon, like the kind of competing tension there i love it like mm. i just love watching it and yeah to to have been here for 10 years i think i have friends who have been here for 25 years so like you know i'm i'm a relative novice but, uh. but uh yeah it's just it's hard to put it into words but also so to and to that point every single friend or relative who's come here to visit me i i think a lot i think all of them didn't understand why i loved it so much and what it was about it within Within hours, they're like, "Oh, I get it." Okay, yeah. not and not just they get it why I love it, but they loved it too. Yeah. Like everyone who's come here has had a great time, and you know, obviously, partly because I was there to to guide them. So, if you're a tourist coming to Vietnam, it would help to have someone here who knows what they're doing a little bit. Then also, there's the fun of not knowing and mm -hmm. just discovering for yourself. So, for tourists listening who are thinking of coming here and then they're going, "Boy, Vien, what's that?" So do you want to explain a little bit about it, the pros and the cons? Because it, it's got, I've spent a lot of time on Boy Vien when I first moved here as well. And it is where a lot of backpackers and, and young tourists sure. are going to stay. So what, what, what do you mean when you kind of laughed about it and mentioned it? So if you've never been here, obviously, it's, you're not going to know anything about Boy Vien or Pham Nu Lao. So in the heart of District 1, which is downtown Saigon, there's a street called Boy Vien in an area called Pham Nu Lao. Um, and it used to be really grimy and dirty and uh, and and but like energetic and lively now it's more like nightclubby and i know a lot of tourists do come down here and and stay there i wouldn't recommend it it's not the best part of town and it's also not like the most fun part of town it's it's probably the cheapest and that's why probably a lot of people end up there um but yeah get, get 
get out of Famu Lao. I would, I would, I would, I would advise tourists. It's you know, like if you've been to Thailand, like Khao San Road, like mm. that's that's kind of the the comparison everyone makes. But it's it's an imperfect comparison. But yeah, that's that's it's more a, similar. It's a frame of reference. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we do a comedy show every Thursday night called the Tourist Trap Comedy Show in partnership with Vietnam is awesome, and we're encouraging tourists to come along to that. And so we actually go around Boy Vien every Thursday night and chat to people and hand out flyers. Um, okay, and it's it's fun before it gets dark. There's a big difference. As soon as it gets dark, all the all the volume goes up to 10 at right. every nightclub. So, so, yeah, and like before yeah. it gets dark, we walk around and we have awesome chats with people. We hand out flyers, meet people from all over the world. So that's interesting. I It's been a while since I've driven down there with any purpose. Like, So during the day, it's like people having lunch, having beers on the street still? or Yeah, it's pretty, yeah. It's pretty quiet. I mean, not quiet, sorry. It's still people <laughs> driving bikes, people everywhere. Right. But it's kind of nice. People are out on because the the bars are open on the street, so people are having casual evening yeah. beers. Okay, the music isn't too loud and all of that stuff. And and Misha mentioned Fam New Lao. There's lots of bus stations that leave from there or buses depart yep. from there. So it's kind of like a big tourist hub. Someone told me you can get a bed in a hostel for five dollars a night. So it's definitely like if you're backpacking, it's a good place to be. It just as it gets later, it gets louder. Um, hmm. There is a lot of petty crime, like Misha mentioned. I've known friends that have their bags stolen, phones stolen. So you still need to watch out. I was down there one time, uh, sitting on my motorbike, parked on the side, waiting for uh, um, a delivery. And uh, this like nice-looking foreign girl, long blonde hair, sundress, she was walking down Boivien with a handful of cash that she'd obviously just gotten out of an ATM, like just counting it casually and i looked at her i'm like hey you don't want to be doing that around here and she looked at me like i was a like i was a jerk it's like sorry hey if you don't want the advice keep walking there's a tip for tourists anyone listening thinking to come in vietnam come to vietnam don't walk about with your phone in your hand like away from your body if you're going to have your phone in your hand keep it close to your body or keep away from the street don't count cash around by vn i mean vietnam is what probably one of the safest countries in the world most places you're fine to count your cash Boy Vien, though, just you're you're making yourself putting a target on your back. Yeah, you do that. It's so yeah. To your point, it's still the most concentrated area where petty crime happens, Mm. and a lot of people that I've spoken to associate Saigon with petty crime, which is just not true. Like you said, it's one of the safest places, except for like certain areas where you just have to be careful. Yeah, and it's if you are thinking of coming here and you're worried about the crime, it's very opportunistic. It's if you're going to have your phone in your hand or your bag. Someone may just drive by and snatch it, but that's just, it doesn't, it's not too bad. So please still come. And like I mentioned, do a comedy show every Thursday. So go to the Vietnam is Awesome website. You can find it there, the Tourist Trap Comedy Show and and book your tickets for that. So what recommendations would you give to tourists to do in Saigon? The one I did want to mention, what's called the Quang Mop. It's still dirt cheap after all these years. It's best to go with a big group of people. Um, The menu's only in Vietnamese. So if you're a tourist coming here you might need a a Vietnamese guidebook and look in the food section to see what you want to eat Um, but yeah just order as many dishes as you think you can eat Uh, it's right on the river it's nice it's the the family who owns it like they're all there every night the husband and the wife and all their kids I've kind of like watched their kids grow up from afar you know they were tiny in height when we first started going and now they're now they're all pretty big so yeah, that that's anytime a friend comes to visit, that's I always make sure we take them to to Quang Mop for at least one dinner. 
uh, I think you said in the in the uh, in the open something about like the real Saigon or the real Vietnam. That's as real as you can get. Like, short of going out into the countryside and like, you know, drinking sugarcane juice with old ladies by the by the canal or something like by the river, I guess. Within city limits, that's as real of Saigon as you're going to get. And just up and down that uh, street, Huang Sa, there's a ton of other places like it. Uh, my friend Sean, when he first moved here, he was living in that area. So him and his buddies like tried all the places, and that was the winner. That was the one that like they stuck with, and then obviously introduced me to it. And now I try to spread the word as much as possible because the the old man who runs it is an awesome dude. He's you know, big smile on his face every year now when I go for, for my birthday and then any time in between. Um, and yeah, it's the food is phenomenal. Like it, the quality of the food for what the actual place looks like, you, you wouldn't believe it <laughs> if you found it anywhere else. But, you know, in Saigon, it kind of makes sense. And do be ready to be aware of what you're ordering because this just happened to me like two days ago and I've been here seven years. Restaurant near me, ordered what I the English translation on the menu said Thai leg of chicken and I ordered it and it came out and it was chicken feet which I don't eat this is also why you, the the translate apps are you know just unbelievable technology but not perfect because yeah so I looked up the translate app and Changa which I knew meant chicken feet uh versus Kanga which is chicken legs chicken wings yeah but chicken if you type in chicken leg it comes up Changa as well so Changa also means chicken leg and chicken feet. To go back to craft beer, which is obviously your other passion other than Saigon. Yes. Give us a quick overview of how that changed, when that changed, and, and what craft beer is now like in Saigon. So I'd been living here for about a year and a half uh, when I first saw an ad on Facebook for Pastor Street Brewing Company. And I remember it was a Friday because Fridays were the only day I had off and the advertisement for was for the opening the following Friday. And I was angry that I had to wait a week because, <laughs> yeah, like my last job in Toronto before moving to Asia was bartending at a craft beer bar. Loved craft beer. Korea was just starting to get some craft beers, like just as I was leaving. There's a big scene there now. Um, but yeah, coming here, that was like the missing piece of the puzzle was good beer. Um, so yeah, the the following Friday, it was January 2nd, uh, 2015. And I remember because I... I and my friends like to drink on January 1st instead of like, like we'll wake up hungover on after New Year's. I'm like, let's get some day drinking in. Like we all take the day off work and it's January 1st, right? Um, so I had a massive hangover on the 2nd when I went. So I got there a little bit later than I was planning. And uh, Bethany, one of the co-founders who was behind the bar at the time, she said I was the third person through the door. And that made me really angry that I wasn't, that I wasn't the very first customer. <laughs> But then, yeah, three weeks later, I was uh, volunteering behind the bar for free beers because uh, they were short-staffed, and, and I was offering to work a real shift for free beer. They're like, yeah, 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 because I was there every Friday. It was my only day off. I was there pretty much all day on Fridays, depending on my friends and how much money they had, if they could afford to stay. Because, again, at the time, it was it was uh, quite expensive compared to the, the other beer options. Um, and, yeah, at the time, uh, you know, like Platinum was a thing. Fuzzy Logic, like there were a couple other craft beer companies already in operation. Saigon Cider uh, always gets lost in the in the story of craft beer in Vietnam because it's a cider, but also because it's uh, it's a little more niche. So they had four beers available, and one was a Jasmine IPA. That's the first beer I had. That's the last beer I had. I obviously tried them all, but like that's 
the one that really stuck out. Just having an IPA in Vietnam was amazing, and also it was an it was an amazingly done IPA. So Alex, uh, one of our other co-founders, he was the brewmaster at uh, one of the most well-respected breweries in one of the most competitive beer markets in the states in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, so having him come over, it really just it it gave us a legitimacy that not a lot of craft breweries are going to have in Vietnam. And of course now there are Western brewmasters who have very impressive resumes, but Alex was kind of the first one to to come from the States and make like really authentic craft beers with just high quality, uncompromising. And yeah, it was it was a revelation for me. Um and then obviously I had passion about the beer and the brand, so I started working there. And then uh yeah, more and more I was I was I was giving up teaching shifts. I mean once they started paying me, obviously I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't going to turn down a paying job for a non-paying one. But once they started paying me in money instead of beer, I started like picking up a couple more shifts during the night, during the week, uh, teaching a little bit less. And then the sales job came up. The opportunity came up. Uh, our third co-founder, the one, the only one I haven't mentioned yet, John, he offered me the job. And, uh, and I, I jumped at it. You know, you're going to pay me to drink beer? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and yeah, that's, I mean, from that, now there, are, I think the last count there were like seventy craft breweries operating in Vietnam, uh, from very small businesses to very very large ones. Um, yeah, it's amazing that we're craft Vietnamese craft beers being exported to other countries. Um, it's it it's we have not we Pasteur Street, but we Vietnam have a reputation in Southeast Asia as being one of, if not the best, countries for quality and variety of craft beers. Um and yeah, so I'm just really I'm just really proud to be uh part of the part of that whole uh movement. Revolution. It, not a movement. A movement ends. It's a revolution. It keeps <laughs> keeps going round and round. It's also really exciting, like you mentioned with Vietnam there, because let's be honest, Vietnam does have a reputation for maybe poorer quality or uh low grade exports. It's not got the highest reputation internationally. Yeah, I mean I think as as much as that, whether or not that's true, and as much as it, as, it, as it is true in certain circles, I think that's just people who have never been here and don't know anything about it. You know, like the like uh, Fuquak pepper is widely regarded as the best pepper in the world. You know, you've got uh, Maru chocolate, which was an inspiration for us just as a business model. They're making some of the best chocolate in the world right here in Vietnam. Mm. <laughs> Vietnam's famous for having amazing fish sauce, like so, and coffee as well, like. You know, coffee's very high quality coffee all over. So would I expect my friend sitting on his couch in Toronto to know about those locally made products? No, of course not. I didn't know anything about them before I came. Um, but once people get here and realize, wow, there's a lot going on here. Mm-hmm. And even like the, I mentioned it a couple times at the top, but the quality and quantity of world-class international style restaurants here now i don't think the world really knows about it yet but they're gonna find out mm. like, well, we got michelin coming this there you year. Go. Yeah, yeah there you michelin. go and i've talked about this before uh at quite length so we won't go into it too much but vietnam i think worldwide is now um the perception is changing it's coming into its own and you can see that through um designers like fashion designers hui ki quang 
who just won an Oscar. I've just had an author contact me from Hawaii who's Vietnamese, who's just published a book and wants to be on podcast. You've got the actor that was in Star Wars. I, I'm, I know Sarah Nguyen, as you mentioned, coffee. She's exporting Vietnamese coffee beans to New York and roasting them in New York and like produce, promoting Vietnamese coffee beans as a premium coffee bean. I see it more because of like what I do with the podcast and who I talk to people. But I think when other people I talk to, when you, and you mentioned all those things there, when you start to connect all the dots, Vietnam is becoming more of a premium brand. Yep. So, but that's an amazing thing that's changing in the last 10 years from you would see Vietnam as like maybe poorer quality, cheap. And now it's becoming like, no, Vietnam is producing some amazing things. Yeah. Like I don't talk to a lot of people back home about Vietnam unless they ask me or unless they're coming. So I don't really know what the, the global perception is. You know, I'm, I'm inside of it. I know, I know what we think. Um, but yeah, the, the fact that, you know, 12 years ago, there were no big Vietnamese restaurants in Toronto where, I'm, where I lived. Uh, and then going back after my first time coming here, it was like there was pho shops on almost every corner and banh mi places. And obviously they were charging outrageous prices. <laughs> Compared to here. And way, nowhere near as good as here. But. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. the, yeah, the one my mom took me to uh, behind her apartment, uh, I realized when we walked in that it was, it was a Korean family running in this Vietnamese restaurant. So I was like, eh. I'm, I'm glad you like it, Mama. <laughs> I've come to s- Vietnam sometime and we'll get you a real bowl of food. I had my sister message me from Melbourne telling me she went to an authentic Vietnamese restaurant and, she, and it was run by a family from Saigon and she sent me the menu and it had pad thai on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> Red curry, green curry, Chinese noodles. I was looking at the menu and I was like, Lindsay, none of this is Vietnamese. What are you? But no, but they said they're from Saigon. I was like, well, I, none of this is Saigon food. Right. Well, and to that point, the, the, I'm using air quotes, the Vietnamese restaurant that my mom told me to, it was a Vietnamese, Thai, Korean, like they had three menus. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> like a fusion of any of those things. It was just three different menus from three different countries run by a, a Korean family. Obviously, everyone knows the food in Vietnam is amazing. We've talked about this, I think, on the previous podcast. Come here for the food that you all have seen on Instagram and all the Vietnamese food that you want to try, banh mi and pho and all of that. And, but if you want to come here and try some restaurants that are probably going to make it in the next Michelin Guide and some high-class quality food that still won't break the bank, then come here to, to Vietnam. And then just to wrap it up, Obviously, craft beer has just exploded here. I've, I've been a fan of craft beer pretty much most of my adult life. I had a similar experience to you. I came here on a, a vacation, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast. Um, Pastel Street was the first place I went to. One of the coolest things ever was uh, after I came here on vacation and I moved here, stayed here, became friends with Misha Smith. I found a picture that I took when I first went to Pastel Street for the very first time. And in the background, serving beer behind the bar was Misha Smith. Which, there you go. That still gives me goosebumps. I think that's just one of the coolest <laughs> things ever. I mean, I don't even think we interacted that time, but here we are now sitting doing a, a podcast about craft beer. And I remember I've got pictures of the menu. You still had jasmine IPA, still had passion fruit. And one thing I did want to mention on that was one of the things about craft beer in Vietnam, and not all of them, but most of them, Pastel Street is definitely known for this, is using local ingredients. So... When we mention jasmine, passion fruit, dragon fruit, these are all local ingredients that you guys have made an effort to use in your yeah, beers. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. That was John's. Uh, that was John's mission from the beginning, and his whole idea was making classic craft beer styles with fresh local Vietnamese ingredients. So, I mean, we need to import the hops, the malt, the yeast, but we want to have one flavor of mm-hmm. Vietnam in all of our beers, and like really showcase 
what Vietnam's all about. And that's that's always been our mission statement, mm. I guess. Well, vision. I mean, my favorite beer is the Pomelo IPA. Mine too, yeah. Pomelo, you can't, I mean, I'd never heard of Pomelo. Right, right, right. Here. Well, that's it. Like, it, you know, you, grapefruit IPA is a style that you can get in Australia and America. But here, you know, we have Pomelos instead of grapefruits. Yeah. So we just, and they're delicious. And I'm still waiting on Mango Lago coming back one day. That was my favorite. It's we just had a meeting yesterday. It's on the it's on the schedule. Nice, nice. So just quickly before we wrap it up, tell people if they're visiting Saigon, what obviously past Little Street, where what locations, where should they go? What if they're in? They're probably going to be in D one. And what other craft beer bars should they check out? Because I know there's a new one that's just opened that I want to check out. Yeah, specifically if you're coming and you want to go to Pastor Street Brewing Company, I mean just Google it. We have five locations in Saigon, uh, one in Hanoi, and always looking for more. Uh, but yeah, just Google it, and whichever one's closest, they're all fun locations and they have all got a bit of a different vibe uh so yeah i'm not gonna name all the addresses but yeah just <laughs> yeah. put it in google and uh, find the one closest to you um for other craft beer bars we mentioned malt on mac t boy they've got a great craft beer selection Beer craft is probably the best place to go to try a range of craft beers they've got some of their own and then at least one beer from almost every brewery in the country i mentioned there's almost 70 now so obviously they don't have every single brewery represented um, but they They've do a pretty good job. They've got 50 taps, I think. They've got one 50 the... taps at their D3 location. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's another one, Be a Craft. They have uh, locations all over the all over the city. So just Google that if you're coming. Um, and then, yeah, one that I that I, I do like to mention because uh, it doesn't get enough love is uh, Turtle Lake Brewing Company. They're up in Hanoi, and they don't have much distribution, so they're not really well known in Saigon. But for me, they're making some of the best craft beers in the country. Uh, but you can only get them at their tap room, so. Again, nice. Google that, find it if you're in Hanoi. Hanoi. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I was just there yesterday. I went to Steersman's new tap room. Uh, it's in kind of the heart of D1 as well, uh, in Dachau, which is the ward. Again, you can Google the exact <laughs> address. Um, but yeah, they just opened up and uh, it's an awesome location. It's a cool venue. Uh, they make some nice beers as well. And uh, yeah, it's it's awesome to see uh like smaller local breweries getting some shine so yeah the the owner of uh of steersman we actually had on uh on our other podcast which i don't think we talked about yet uh beer stories so i mentioned alex one of our co-founders um him and i have been doing this podcast beer stories that you produce um and yeah we interview people about beer some brewers some owners uh one of our funnest episodes was was, was with uh, a customer <laughs> a regular customer at our tap room um, but yeah, check that out on Google, Spotify, uh, Apple, Apple Pods, wherever you find your podcasts. Um, yeah, so we, we've wrapped season one and we're just about to start recording season two and uh, really looking forward to getting back into the studio with you. Well, we're going to finish up with the final questions that I ask everyone okay. at the end of every episode. Michelle, what is a good 24-hour itinerary in Ho Chi Minh? That's a great question. Um, so I would say... To, if you want to experience it the way that uh, God intended, <laughs> uh, start with a bowl of pho ba for breakfast. Um, and then I haven't been to the Reunification Palace, but I've heard from all of my friends who have been that it's awesome. So maybe bang that up after breakfast. And then for lunch, I would say you got to find a little Kam uh, Tam stand or banh mi, depending if you want if you prefer rice or bread. Um, and then after that, I would say go to... Uh, a craft beer bar and uh, enjoy some of the local craft beers in Vietnam. Um, and then for dinner, I think we, we went over earlier in, uh, in the episode 
Quangma is the best Vietnamese barbecue you're going to get in uh, in Saigon. So basically just eat and drink all day in Saigon. Hey, bud, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> and so obviously we're talking about it from our point of view, but what is life like for locals in Saigon? Yeah, um, I, it's kind of hard for me to answer that question because there's there's obviously, you know, I have my Vietnamese colleagues, which are quite a few. Uh, so, you know, I, I work in an office. So for them, they go to the office every day. Uh, they either order food from our place or they bring in some homemade uh, Vietnamese food that they've got from home. There's such a wide gap in uh, in income here. So when you say life for a local, it's such a broad spectrum. It's hard to really, and also obviously I'm not a local, so I, it's hard for me to put myself in their shoes because I wouldn't even know which shoes we're talking about. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying as well. I was thinking it's, uh, you could just definitely, as we've already talked about in this episode, no matter your income or your, or what you do here, it's just fast paced, energetic, always go, go, go. You're awake at 6 a.m., uh, drinking coffee at 10 p.m. Uh, and just life never stops here, it seems. Yeah, 100%. So I remember uh, one time my friend Willis came to visit from Toronto and he's a, he's a small business owner. And uh, at the time, this is before Grab, so it was just the Sayom drivers on their street corners waiting for a, a fare, as it were. The little banh mi stand, the little uh, noodle, noodle carts that get pushed around. And after a few days, just, you know, getting into the routine, Willis turns to me, he's like, man, everybody here works for themselves. And I'm like, yeah, I never really thought about it, but yeah, that's true. And he's like, place is awesome. <laughs> yes, Vietnam is awesome. <laughs> that is true. No, I like that one. Um, and then why is Saigon a good place to live? Um, I mean, I hope we've covered it. <laughs> like, like we said before, like just the energy of the city, uh, you mentioned, you know, the fast pace, it's go, go, go all the time. Uh, and you know, some people wouldn't like that kind of lifestyle, but for me, it's, it's, it's intoxicating. And I, I just love feeding off the energy of the city. Uh, you know, going to work in the morning, lunch, wherever, and then, you know, just get out and see, uh, see the world going by. I remember yeah. the, the first time I came on vacation, uh, driving, I was on. I wasn't driving. I was in the back of of a Sayom driver's motorbike, and we were going around the loop around uh, Benten Market, the roundabout there. And every time I, after I moved here, every time I drove around that roundabout, I remember that first time. I was just like, I "Can't believe I live here. This is amazing." <laughs> I love it. And last question: uh, Travelers, tourists, they've come to Saigon. Where should they go next? Yeah, so I mean, I've got a few. It kind of depends on on your own uh, speed. So, like, I, I really love going to Nha Trang uh, for a beach city. Um, the old town in Hoi An—it's one of my favorite places in Vietnam. Um, but if you really want to go somewhere small and remote and quiet and awesome, uh, there's a place called Quy Nhan, which is also in central Vietnam. Like, we got there. The first time we took a train from Da Nang, because that's where we're coming from, uh, you can fly from from Saigon. It's just this awesome little beach town, and I'm so happy and content and chilled out every time I go there. I need to go there. It's one place I've not, not one place, but yeah, one, one of the places I've not been yet. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's amazing. It's like you just you get there, you turn your phone off, and just the, the stress of life just comes off of you. Well, Misha, this has been awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, if you are listening from anywhere in the world, you can find all the links to what we've talked about in the show notes. So if you want to go check out any of the tap rooms, Phenam is awesome. We just published an article about the best craft beer bars in Saigon, and that actually covers a lot of the places we talked about. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed this and that you're going to come to Saigon and have a great time. And there's every chance if you're in a craft beer bar, you're going to bump into Misha Smith <laughs> somewhere. So look out for Misha and uh, you might even see me as well. So thanks very much. Cheers. Thanks for having me on. If you are enjoying this podcast, then you know what to do. It's such a cliche, but go hit the subscribe or the follow or whatever it is you need to do from whatever app you're listening to so you can get notifications for future episodes and keep listening. Every every episode, we're going to be interviewing someone from somewhere different in Vietnam and talking about life there. So we hope you're enjoying it as much as us. And then if you want to book a tour to go out and explore Vietnam, then make sure you go to the Vietnam is Awesome website, which is just vietnamisawesome.com. You'll find a whole bunch of tools and trips there that you can book and so you can go out and explore and also including my comedy show. So I am also a comedian if you didn't know that and we do a comedy show here in Saigon every Thursday called the Tourist Trap Comedy Show. We talk about what it's like to live in Vietnam and life in Vietnam and try and see the funny side of it. So if you are in Saigon on a Thursday night, go on the Vietnam is Awesome website and you can book your tickets for that show. So a massive thank you to the Vietnam is Awesome team for putting this podcast together and to Lewis Wright, who composed and performed the music for this podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're like me, you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public Wi-Fi. This opens you up to digital snoopers. It's a massive problem. It can be your internet service provider or you know who, looking at what you do online, or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info, or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data. These days, it is vital that you keep your data safe. NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease, and I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash smb just again for those hard of hearing nordvpn.com forward slash smb the link is also in the show notes i know nobody checks them out but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast as an affiliate partner it also means that i will get a small commission when you sign up but at no extra cost to you so not only will you be getting a great deal through seven million bikes you get a great vpn and you'll be supporting seven million bikes podcast stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love any questions just let me know you know how to get in touch with me and thanks for listening to this show cheers <laughs> <laughs>